Hi everyone, welcome to episode 17 of Kingdom Hearts and Other Stuff, or Chaos for short. I'm your host, Zach Lyons, and my guest today is PlayStation Universe's resident Kingdom Hearts enthusiast, Kyle Prawl. Hello, hello. <laughs> That's humbling. Thank you, Zach. Thanks for <laughs> That's humble. I think it's fairly accurate, actually. Yeah, I suppose it is a matter of pride. I mean, <laughs> what am I a, kidding? Humble? Come on now. There's a little bit where uh, we were both the resident Kingdom Hearts enthusiasts there, but... I know. I feel like there was... Uh, like unspoken slack tension in those moments you feel that way or was that just was that just me being prideful what, what there can only be one <laughs> right no uh i was only at playstation universe for a few uh, not quite a year i don't think but how long have mm-hmm. you been there um it'll be uh running through the roll dice i think it'll be seven years if wow. uh, you know this summer that's yeah. awesome yeah it's a spell it's yeah a spell. that's crazy and uh, it's uh, coming to an end soon, eh? Like, for your time, right? Um, yes, it is. Um, yeah, I uh, was recently presented with a very, very cool dream opportunity, and uh, I'm really excited for that to get started. And unfortunately, it will mean having to say a few goodbyes at PSU, although I know I'm going to do everything I can to stay in touch with all the fine folks over there. PlayStation sure. Universe has been, you know, just a, a just huge a, chapter of your in, life in general. Yeah, a significant chapter and one that's opened up a lot of really, really cool doors. So yeah, man, definitely. I'll never be able to express that enough. Before we get into the proper episode, I want to do some quick housekeeping. Uh, it's been about a month or so since my last episode. Uh, I was In December, I was a guest on the Nerd Pals Network annual Dragon Ball Revolution show, where we watch Dragon Ball Evolution every year and discuss its ups and downs. Uh, but aside from that, I've been kind of incommunicado, and I apologize for that. But uh, between traveling for the holidays and starting my day job back up in the new year, things have been a bit hectic. So the Super Nerd Pals team covered for me last week. But I'm back now, and I've got a handful of guests lined up already to hit 2019 running. And with Kingdom Hearts 3 just two weeks out from launching, there will be plenty to discuss. So with that said, I don't think my previous format of the guest brings the topic will be as easy to maintain while the Kingdom Hearts 3 hype reaches its zenith, so that rule is going to be fairly flexible for a while. Um, (laughs) So in case you're unaware, Kyle, what that is, is uh, usually uh, I have a different guest every episode, and my gimmick, if you want to say, is that the guest brings the topic, and it can be related to Kingdom Hearts, it can be related to video games, it can be related to anything else. Like, if you're into archaeology, or if you're into politics, or if you're into <laughs> board games, whatever you want to talk about, I want I want the guest to bring their own topic, and I will somehow tie it into Kingdom Hearts. And if they aren't a fan or haven't played the games before, I'll try and convince them to give the games a try based on their topic. And... Uh, and I, I quite like how it's gone so far, but uh, I feel like it's also not necessarily fair to say, hey, do you want to be a guest on my show? Also, you have to think of something to talk about. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's super interesting because like for me, this is a this is a really cool chance to catch up with a fellow fervent fan. Yeah, and for sure. Somebody who has like helped me understand just how the hell Unchained Key slash Union Cross <laughs> even works. Yeah. Um, and is like solely responsible for me having the eventually having the gumption and perseverance to play all the way through the story. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am look. I'm all about the tangents. So if we go off on some tangents, that's sure. good with me. Um, I I do try to keep the episodes between like originally I wanted it to be like half hour, forty five minutes, but it usually ends up being between forty five minutes and an hour. Occasionally mm-hmm. goes over an hour, but I really try and not do that because I just 
want to be a bit more succinct. But I, oh, I too, sure. am not opposed to tangents. That happens more <laughs> often than I like to admit. Well, we don't want we don't want listeners to have to feel compelled to play this at one point five. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And also, I think one of the things with my uh, guest brings the topic rule is that inevitably I end up saying a lot of the same things. Like there's, I've had a lot of guests that have been fans of the games already, and we'll like dive into specific points of Kingdom Hearts. But I've also had a lot of people on that haven't ever played them or playing them for the first time, and I feel like while they always bring new perspective because it's different people with different thoughts and opinions and that's wonderful my anecdotes and my notes are always a bit repetitive sure. so it's it's i think it'll be nice to not necessarily try and pigeonhole myself into that one shtick so i can you know kind of branch out and give myself some more talking leeway so yeah that makes yeah. Perfect sense so I don't think that that uh, my guest brings the topic uh, rule is going to go away. It's just going to take a backseat a bit while I run through a handful of topics I've been sitting on for a while that I want to talk about. And so to get things started, and since this is the final episode of Chaos before Kingdom Hearts 3 is in our hands, Kyle, I thought we could talk about the aforementioned hype surrounding the threequel and anticipation for upcoming media in general. Oh boy. But real quick, uh, before we get into talking points, I'm just going to ask you my usual questions, which I can uh, basically answer myself, but for the sake of listeners. One, how familiar are you with the Kingdom Hearts series? My first Kingdom Hearts exposure was being up late at night as a nine-year-old shining a toy Darth Vader flashlight on the character drawings of Sora, Riku, and Kairi from a magazine like a year before the game came out. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. So I think that I, yeah, I, I, I mean, in general, like I have, um, I've played every title in the series. The only one I haven't finished is recoded, um, in playable form. I've certainly sure, finished sure. like the recap videos, the remaster mm. videos. Um, you know, several times over, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like as a kid, like I would, I would write the Ansem reports on papers that I had a material copy of. That's them to sort awesome. Of study. That's yeah, so cool. stuff like stuff like that. A lot of wiki dives and like mapping out flowcharts and and like sort of wiki like uh, what is encyclopedia entries just for my own purpose that never got shared with anyone. That sure, kind of sure. So pretty pretty fervent, I would say. Although at times disenchanted, at times frustrated with direction and things like that. But in general, just extremely. I think passionate. that's uh, that's pretty reasonable and par for the course for your average Kingdom Hearts fan who's been following more than just the numbered titles. Yes, opinions. Yeah, yeah. So how familiar are you with the Kingdom Hearts series? Intimately. <laughs> well said. And uh, I 100% guarantee I know the answer to this one, but for the sake of formality, are you planning on picking up Kingdom Hearts 3 when it comes out? Yes. Nah. <laughs> Sorry, oh, that was like the lamest possible joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm going to go to the midnight release with a few local friends, and I'm going to wear the, uh, the KH1 Sora costume i put together for halloween um, awesome my wife Brilliant. Is, my wife is gonna go as femme riku nice and uh we could we couldn't find like soul eater or way to the dawn as like a purchasable prop so we ended up just getting like the uh spirit halloween oblivion keyblade which nice you know like it's you get it in hollow bastion near where you fight him and all it's these a bit of, of things, a it's so. a bit of a dark keyblade so it kind of fits right yeah. yeah 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 close enough right so yeah yeah, yeah. we'll be uh we going out there. I'll probably bring it home at like nine p.m., nine thirty, and play as much as I can before I pass out. <laughs> I kind of love how a midnight release you can be home with the game by nine p.m. Now. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm not but, sure how that's determined because, like, when it's nine p.m. here in Central, 
nowhere in the country is it midnight yet. So yeah, I'm like exactly. One wondering where that that's, comes from, but it's like hey, I'll how take it. Uh, movies they used to be like, oh, the movie releases on January fifth, but you can see a special midnight screening on like midnight January fourth, or like when it just turns to fifth. And you, it mm-hmm. was actually at midnight. But then over the years, it's become sooner and sooner. So now there's like, oh, yeah. there's still midnight screenings. But most people don't go to those anymore because they've also got 10 o'clock screenings and 11 o'clock screenings and sometimes 6 or 8 o'clock screenings the night mm-hmm. before it officially, quote unquote, releases in cinemas. So Yeah, those movies so that I care about, I feel like I've seen all those at like 8 p.m. Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here, like in New Zealand where I am, movies come out in cinemas on Thursdays. So for us, they the early showings are on Wednesdays. So, I was, oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> so, let's get in the thick of this then. What I don't know how to start out. Uh, what what gets you hyped? Like I assume you're pretty hyped about Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm pretty hyped about Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, absolutely. But it's weird. Like I think my my hype kind of comes in fits and bursts with this oh, one. Like for sure. Like, I like I was at I think it was E3, uh, I want to say 2015, when that very first kind of concept trailer that shows Sora picking up Master Eric's Keyblade, yeah, on the beach. Um, Like, I was there in the crowd for that for that PlayStation show, and like I wept openly. Oh, jeez, that long ago! Wow. You? Because it was the same time that uh, Final Fantasy Versus 13 was officially rebranded as Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, that's right. That that's a, right. A yeah, I uh, I wept openly when when that Kingdom Hearts moment was shown because I just like I don't know like I know it's it seems it's kind of silly in retrospect, but I was kind of resigned to the fact that maybe this game doesn't ever materialize, or yeah. maybe when it someday does, it looks very different than what we want it to be. Like I know we had had Dream Drop Distance at that point, but it's just one of those things where you you don't you feel like you can't believe it. And, yeah, and that's no, probably I, I, what got me to be so emotional. I understand that feeling for sure. So I think like in the last couple of years, it's, it, I think it's just come in fits and bursts because there are things that I've seen through the pre-release um, media and hype that has, has kind of bounced off me um, or it's just worried me. And I think that comes from how maybe critical of media I am in general or maybe just how as a fan like like I'm one of those I'm one of those fans who is is actually fairly has been disappointed over time by how little screen time Sora, Riku and Kairi actually ever share with each other and how the series just hasn't made that important to the ongoing plot. Like it's not it's just a weird anecdote to say that like I kind of when I see some of the earliest footage of Olympus Coliseum in Cage 3, I kind of look at the character models and I'm like, "Oh, uh wow, everyone looks really waxy. Or, like, yeah. when we see uh, Marluxia step up to Sora in the 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 forest of the Tangled mm. World. Yeah, like, Corona. Oh, wow, your hair looks looks really jacked up. Like, clearly yeah. in an unpolished state, but, like, those things kind of linger with me. And then at the same time, you'll have, like, the Pirates reveal at the Xbox conference. Um, you'll have... The final battle trailer, which is maybe the most hype piece of trailer media I've ever consumed. Yeah. Um, and those things like like just totally jack me up and energize me. Like I I blitzed through the whole series. I think around I don't know somewhere between March and June of this of last year. Um, okay. And I was and that was kind of like, you know, hype was at its greatest, and then things go quiet for a couple months. Trailer comes out and is it's crazy hype again, and then I sort yeah. of. Um, 
it's weird. Like, it's like I haven't wanted to think about it too much because I know from my own experience that when I think about something so much, when I when I personally hype it to a level that it can't possibly live up to, that ends up meaning kind of a um, a compromised enjoyment when it does finally reach. Like, I had a little bit of that with Persona 5. I can um, appreciate that. So, yeah, so it's been trying to, like, find that balance for me where I allow myself to be you know, to be my 13-year-old self who printed off a ton of KH2 screenshots and hung them in his room, but not wanting to, like, stew on it all day every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear you for sure. It's really interesting, too. Like you said, it's, it comes and goes in waves. And, like, I, I've i got a YouTube playlist of Kingdom Hearts 3 trailers that I've added to every time a new trailer comes out, whether it's a teaser mm. or a snippet at the end of another trailer or a full, full-blown trailer, whatever. And... It's got 18 trailers in it. Like this, this folder, this playlist has 18 trailers in it. The, from the first one, the Kingdom Hearts 3 reveal trailer at the E3 2013 Sony conference in in 2013, up until the final battle tra- or the the opening movie trailer where they really right. revealed the bit of Face Your Fears. Mm-hmm. And four of those are no, sorry, five of those are between 2013 and 20. 15 and then 2016 there were zero trailers and then the other 13 are from the last year and a half right right so like that's Um, almost a trailer a month for the last year and a half and that's crazy to think that for the four years leading up to that 13 14 15 16 yeah for the previous four years there were only four or five trailers teases at most it's it's you know it's kind of i think we saw that from square in a ff15 world that feels like like FF15 especially feels like their first salvo of we're going to we're going to promote the the ever loving yeah, crap out of whatever our temple sure. releases, and like I have, I, I don't want to say complicated because that's super pretentious, but I guess I have mixed feelings on that in general because about I think Final about Fantasy 15 or the aggressive marketing campaign. Well, that that for sure. <laughs> um, Final Fantasy 15. The, the, for I sure. was referencing. Yeah, same. <laughs> yes, I was. Yeah, I was referencing the uh, the marketing campaign. But, okay, um, sure. Yeah, so for like, okay, let's let's start with fifteen if you don't mind humoring yeah, me there. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, that was, I was a little dismayed, I would say, at at what they showed leading up to release because even in its even in its trailers and in how little of the world we were actually seeing, um, in how some of the voice acting seemed to be shaping up, or maybe just the writing in general. I guess the acting mm-hmm. was fine. It felt to me like something less than or other than what I envisioned this mainline Final Fantasy entry to be. And, like, my image of that is super old-fashioned, but when I think of uh, FF10, my personal favorite, it's it's almost like literature to me. Like, it comes out, and it and it lives on your shelf, or it, or it just releases and then exists. Like, here's this piece of art that isn't changing, that had a very specific vision all the way through creation. Yeah. Um, you know, some some parts of that notion are probably misguided and, and sort of... Minim- minimize what goes into game development but with 15 like even 13 i felt was something akin to that but with 15 like because of all the dlc piecemealing because of content updates over time that really radically slash fundamentally changed the game like hey all I of a sudden a year later, you can play the entire game controlling any party member. Oh, so anybody playing it now just has a different experience than when I, I played yeah, it a year ago. 100% and agree. So, like, 
kind of getting away from the marketing thing, I'll sort of dial it back to there. Um, That's okay. It's, it's if, all leading into anticipation and hype for a game. And yeah, for sure. And things um, that don't. So that's totally relevant. Go ahead. To me, a release like Final Fantasy XV or like Kingdom Hearts Three is is momentous. Not just for me personally, but for the industry and for the canon of video games. Agreed. So for the publisher, those things, for the developer, for the fans, yeah, for yeah, anybody involved. It's, it's the kind of thing that people will be reading about on Wikipedia ten years from now, fifteen years from now. You know, like it's yep. it, it lingers in the memory like that. And for those kinds of things. I think that pre-release hype is important. Like those trailers will live forever. Well, whatever forever means. Um, sure, in, in a digital age. Yes, um, but they are. You know, to to go back to watch Final Fantasy X trailers, for example, would would be a sign and sort of a a symbol or a memento of how momentous that game was. And so that's why I love the final battle trailer for Cage Three so much, mm-hmm. uh, because it. It captures emotion and intensity, and it captures characters that have spanned the entire series. Like all fans it, coming from all different angles have something for you in that trailer. It, and feels, it feels like a nugget of video game history in one trailer. Yes, exactly. And it feels like worthy of the kind of game, the kind of event that Kingdom Hearts 3 is. Uh, mm. But at the same time, I think going overboard with those things, like the frequency you were talking about before. Mm-hmm cheapens that because then all of a sudden it isn't a tentpole trailer it isn't a sure it isn't a hype moment that we remember forever now it's we're blitzing things now there's like what a 45 second dlc keyblade trailer that was came out a few days ago yeah yeah Um, it's it's kind of like at uh e3 last year when they came out with three trailers in the span of three days and it was the frozen reveal and the parts of the caribbean reveal and then the Square Enix E3 showcase, which had like mm-hmm. two or three new scenes in it, but it wasn't yeah. anything to write home about. And it was perfect like, example. And they were like, "Oh, we've got three trailers at E3, and one of them is really not. It's really just not because it's no, just it just isn't. Yeah. content for both of the others with a couple additional bits. And it's it's I wouldn't call that like new content. It's the same. It's all three of them are the same exact length. They're all three minutes nineteen seconds." But mm. that one is just not as big or interesting as the other two for a lot of reasons. And it does just feel like they're trying too hard for that kind of thing. Yeah, it's... It, well, I mean, there's a broader point to be made about how... Whether we needed quite so many world reveals, whether we needed them to be yeah. quite so... Like, even, like, a world reveal is maybe fine, but do I need, you know, like three minutes from seven different cutscenes from that world and like showing each gameplay feature within there like this is kind of another topic entirely but like i'm really crossing my fingers that there are parts of cage three that are still very surprising to me i'm not i'm not confident that there will be and to some extent maybe it doesn't matter in the long run because like i remember being voracious about you know reading into cage two and stuff like that when it came out but it still has changed like there's i think that I don't know, it's a little arbitrary to assign a number, but somewhere like three pre-release trailers that are really meaty and significant, like you condense maybe Frozen and um, Pirates of the Caribbean into one sort of lengthy reveal. Mm -hmm. You have the final battle trailer with fewer just crazy abject story spoilers within it. And maybe Um, here's the Pixar reveal trailer with both Toy Story and Monsters. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and so like those kinds of things like... I think there's something to be said for spurring 
mystery in fans, even as you sure, confirm sure. things, leaving enough open-ended to have questions hanging and leaving tons of room for you to be surprised. And it's like, Just... I'm sure that what we've seen in the final battle trailer is not actually the final battle or the final scenes of the game. Like, I'm, yeah, I, I want 100%. to believe that that's not what they're showing us. Uh, Can I but still, just a moment? Yeah, of course. Uh, just if you keep going, then I'll probably lose the chance to segue this in. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I agree completely about that, and I feel like things like Winnie the Pooh. You know, he got a tr- there's a Winnie the Pooh reveal trailer, <laughs> and like right. we, we didn't need a Winnie the Pooh world reveal trailer. Like there was more nah. in that trailer, <laughs> but that was the fo- like it's called Kingdom Hearts Three Winnie the Pooh trailer. Like that didn't need to be on its own, and. With, going back to what you said about uh, hoping that they still surprise us and stuff, I 100% believe that there are surprises that they're not showing. Like, obviously, they're not going to spoil everything. The leakers are trying to do that anyway. But, uh, mm, like, yeah. showing how how many new organization members there are, like, all the Xehanorted people. Uh, you've got your Demix and your Vexen and your Luxord and Marluxia and Larxene, all them. Like, context is so important in these games. Because there's so much misdirection, there's so many like mm-hmm. people with faulty memories and uh, digital stuff going on, and like the data escape, and uh, there's so many things that could skew <laughs> perception in these games that yeah. like I'm not taking anything at face value here. Like you know what's Aqua super weird being that I... Norded, oh, sorry, like there's there's something there that they're not telling us. We don't know how it gets there. We don't know how it resolves, and there's so much to learn still. And so, like, it's that weird to have there. a situation where, like, the black coat has become, like, it was once a symbol of a specific organization, and then it just kind of became a MacGuffin for when they want to hide somebody's I'm face. I'm so tired we- of the black trench coat. I'm so tired of it. What's weird lie. is that, like, you have something like the final battle trailer, or really any of the trailers, where you're, you're seeing all the organization members you just mentioned, mm-hmm. and yet there are a couple cases in recent trailers where the black hood is up. So, oh, for some reason, we can't see who that person is, but you can show us, like, every it's, single villain we're going to encounter in this game. I find that like, kind of curious. Um, I've been, in the last few months, watching the entirety of Everglow's uh, Kingdom Hearts Timeline series on YouTube, which, if mm-hmm. you're listening and you haven't watched it, go watch it, because it's amazing. Um, but, like, if you don't know what it is, it's he's basically edited together all of the story and cutscenes from all the Kingdom Hearts games in chronological order. So there's like 10 episodes that cover Union Cross and there's like 10, 15 episodes that cover it's, all of Birth by it Sleep. It is utterly fantastic. And it's, um, it's really, a, really good, The way, yeah. especially when you get to things like Birth by Sleep. Instead of playing the three characters' stories through separately, he's got them all together, <clears> like playing out in real time. And where Kingdom Hearts and Birth by Sleep, or not Birth by Sleep, Kingdom Hearts and Chain of Memories and Days all overlap. Mm. Like, it's so, so good to see those playing out together. The Ansem reports, he's spliced in the Ansem reports where they're applicable, like where he would have written those reports in the correct time order, and it's so cool. Um, (laughs) But my point behind this is that seeing the 358 over two days gameplay play out and have cutscenes where all, you, you know who all the organization members are by that point because that game came out after Kingdom Hearts 2 where you've and Chain of Memories where you've already defeated all the organization members. So in days, whenever there's a cutscene with all the organization members, their hoods are all down because you know these characters already. But then it gets to the Kingdom Hearts 2 cutscenes 
and there's like all the hoods are up because it's still a mystery for the player yeah. when the game first came out in 2006 because you don't know who these characters are and it's so lame and bogus and like, <laughs> i'm so tired of it like even even Lee, you know, in the Kingdom Hearts 3 trailers, Lee still has his black coat. He's Lee. He's not Axel anymore. He's Lee. Give him a new outfit. Give him I know. person. Like, he has his birth by sleep outfit. Do something inspired by that. Yeah. Just give yeah, him 100%. some originality. He's I'm not holding on hope that the we're... organization anymore. Just give Lee an outfit. That's my <laughs> point here. I will die on this cross. I it's a cross worth dying on and like I I'm holding out hope that we will get that. Um I just like it would be freaking flabbergasting to not get that. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, there's stuff in the trailer that kind of makes it seem like he's wearing it the whole game, which sucks. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's uh, figures, like, you know, the the Square Enix official uh, post. Oh, the, figures. the play arts? Play series? arts, yes. Play arts and bring arts and stuff. And there's, like, there's one for Lee, and it's him in the cloak. And we're like, great. <sighs> we care about him in a cloak. Ugh. <sighs> That's definitely a tangent that's yeah. not related to hype, right. but that's just the thing. Well, that, I didn't know about that out. figure, and that kills my <laughs> hope now. <laughs> eh. Oh, man. But anyway, so uh, if you remember where you were going, feel free. I apologize for butting in. I just had to... Oh, no, not not at all. Um, touch on all yeah, that. well, one thing I did want to say is, like, the Everglow timeline, real quick on that. Like, sure. straight up, like, his his assemblage, you know, of the... Co- of the Not coded, sorry. The... Uh, the Unchained Key Union Across yep. storyline, those 12, 13 episodes, yep. is the, the single best way to experience that story. 100%. Like, and, for sure. and I told that to a friend of mine who's been playing through the whole collection over the last couple of months. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loan you 2.8, and you're going to ignore back the. Cover. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to ignore back cover and go watch these 12 things on YouTube instead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's highly, highly recommended. No, I think uh, with regard to KH3, I was just kind of. Um, sort of reaching the point where I, I I think that KH3 has gone overboard with those things. I think this is a new Square Enix, a new form of aggressive hype marketing for these tentpole titles. Um, yeah. Dragon Quest didn't get as much of that in the West, but that's to be yeah, expected. Well, because uh, it's bigger in Japan than in the West. Yeah, totally. Um, but, like, it, at the same time, this approach has gifted us with some really cool things, like, to... You know, in hindsight, maybe another version of me wouldn't have wanted to see that kind of truncated version of the opening, but it's super mm-hmm. hype. And, you, oh, you know, it sure. also would have been awesome to experience it for the first time on disc. And yet it's cool as hell. And it makes me so, so thirsty to hear that full song. Yeah, agreed. I've, um, I've been uh, the the willpower has been with me, which is good because <laughs> they're all the people leaking stuff. And like because I'm still watching and catching up with the Everglow timeline. Uh, I'm getting all these, you know, recommended videos, and there I've seen several with like fifty thousand views and hundred thousand views and eighty th- with uh, just people posting the entire uh, "Face Your Fears" track. Yeah, and I'm like, and the opening, the Kingdom Hearts three, dearly beloved, and I haven't watched any leaks. I've seen people comment on some, but they haven't spoiled anything, which is good. But that's like, good. That's really good. How how they truncated the Face You Fears intro video for the tease. That I have heard people say that like there's so much that they leave out. So I don't know if it's like edited differently in the full version or if it's just that they cut it off halfway through or what. But uh, the intro is apparently yeah, a lot be... bigger than what we've already seen, and well, that's exciting to me. Yeah, there's a pretty big portion of like like 
the opening does seem to be a series recap in the way that Dream Drop Distance's opening was. Um, oh, so yeah. If that's Dream the Drop case, Distance remains to me like one of the best openings oh, of the series. Oh, man. It's Isn't so it? good. It's so Oof. pretty. It was pretty on the 3DS, and then they brought it to HD. And, oh, man. Lordy lord. It is tr- <laughs> truly exceptional. Yeah, I, um, yeah, really excited to see the rest of it. Um, and it's cool to hear that there's a lot left out and and I, you know in some ways like i appreciate getting to hear face my fears early because i actually like it better than don't think twice um, me too 100%. i didn't really expect to don't when think i heard twice. Um, sorry go ahead i just didn't have i just didn't have much faith when i heard about skrillex's involvement i was like oh this is a direction that i really don't think we want to go in but there seems to be some restraint there which is great <laughs> It's interesting because I've got several friends who are fans of EDM genre and of Skrillex in general. And, like, I've never heard of – I admit several years back when uh, when I first heard of Skrillex and he became, like, a big name, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this sounds dumb, whatever. And I just hopped on the hate train, which I regret to say because I think hopping on hate trains sucks these days. Hmm. I feel like I've grown in that regard. At any rate, um, I had zero opinion when they said, Utah is partnering with Skrillex. I had learned that he's – been a lifetime kingdom hearts fan and i thought that's cool like nice bringing fans on board to do content and so i thought if he's been a fan of it since the first game then you know he knows i would have faith in him i think to do it right even if i don't know any of his music i just know that he does dubstep but like uh, (laughs) my friends who are fans of his they're like yeah he's done a lot more since like he still does dubstep but he's just like any musician his style has changed and evolved and you know, grown. It's just he's not as big a name these days. Yeah, and, yeah, which is which is great artistically, and I think yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, I, I I get that evolution a bit in this song, and yeah, I mean, what an amazing opportunity! Like, I don't yeah, even know definitely. what I could contribute to a game like Kingdom Hearts, but I would sure as hell be honored to be asked. Yeah, absolutely. And so when Don't Think Twice came out, or was first teased or played or whatever, like I thought it was nice. But it, to me, it wasn't it wasn't simple and clean, and it wasn't passion or sanctuary. Um, no, and agreed. That was the same when sanctuary. When I first heard sanctuary, it's like this isn't as good as simple and clean. But then it grew on me, and for a long time, uh, sanctuary has been my preferred over simple and clean. And after listening to uh, Don't Think Twice a handful of times, I was like, okay, it's growing on me. And now I properly enjoy the song. Uh, but face your fears, yeah. I friggin loved it first listen i was like this is such a good song this is like the pump up remix song that you want for the intro trailer like the planet b remix like the uh like the ray ray of hell yeah. remix like it's so so good it gets you excited it gets you hyped and that piece of music i thought was so good and i'm really excited to hear the full thing but not so excited that i'm gonna support leakers <laughs> <laughs> right for sure can go to hell I'm kind of a, like, yeah, I feel the same in that I'm a little bit of, like, a slave to the planned schedule for any of this stuff. Like, I'm super big on an on this idea of developer intent, creator intent, um, the, the intended experience. And that's why, like, despite reservations about story spoilers heading into any of this media going back a year and a half, I've still... Like, it's funny, my very first spoiler recollection, like, something that was revealed to me that I didn't want to know and that I was bummed to know was that... Riku is the back half of Chain of Memories. I remember reading that on Wikipedia ah. and just being like, before I had received it, and I was like, oh, 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 what is this I'm feeling right now? This dis- this crushing disappointment. Um, but, yeah. like, so, at the same 
time, I've always kind of defaulted to, okay, Square, if you're releasing this piece of media, it's because I'm going to trust that's because you have a vision for that, and this is the experience you want fans to have leading up to it. So maybe against my inner reservations, I've gone and watched things like the Final Battle trailer and just kind of accepted, you know, cross my fingers, I'm going to trust that you, the company, don't consider this an important spoiler, so let's just go with it. I will say there's one of my friends who uh, is big in Tumblr communities and Tumblr pages and stuff, and uh, she was really not a fan of the the final battle trailer. Like she liked it, it got her excited, but she was like, "They're showing too much." She's one of the she's in the "they're showing too much" camp firmly. Mm. Going back to Final Fantasy 15, there's one of the trailers that showed uh, Noctis and Gladiolus fighting on the train, and in the background you could see uh, Ignis Ignis. No, Ignis yeah, is Ignis. a different one. You got it. Is, is it? Yeah, it is Ignis. Oh, God, whatever. Anyway, it showed him in the background with the blackened glasses on, and people were like, oh, my God, he goes blind. How does he go blind? Square Enix, you've released this massive spoiler in the trailer before oh, the game comes out. Jeez. Sorry for I, uh, I glossed over that somehow. Spoiler alert, Ignis goes blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that they leaked that. I mean, I, I the one thing I am bred up on is what the initial version of the final battle trailer and what was removed from the trailer like a day later. Um, so sure. maybe it's, I don't What the heck square? Yeah, Get it I together. I, I heard about that, but I don't know what, what it is they removed. I never, under, I didn't understand what people were talking about cause I must've missed it, but like I saw it from day one. So I don't know. Yeah. I th- what, what wasn't it? It wasn't a scene or I, I won't tell it to you either. It wasn't a scene or anything like notable. It was, it was a lot like that Ignis situation where like something is in the background okay. and the few people who noticed it for a split second were like, um, holy crap. What is this? Right. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, gotcha. for sure. But yeah, that was something that I was like, I mean, like again, you know, okay. So maybe he's blind. Maybe he's wearing sunglasses. I don't know. <laughs> right. For he's sure. Blind. Okay. How did it happen? I want to know the story behind it. To me, that's not a spoiler. Like, like just going off of the game's release, not even looking at trailers, I'm expecting them to save Aqua. I'm expecting them to at least confront Aqua. I'm expecting there to be involvement from Ventus and Terra. And I'm expecting mm-hmm. there to be something about Shion and Nominate. And like, if they're on the friggin' cover box art, they're going to be involved in some important way. Seeing them <laughs> for a snippet in a trailer is not spoiling that to me because you're expecting that. I'm expecting that. If you're not expecting it, you should be expecting it because of the games previously. If you're not expecting it because you've only played one and two, well, that's on you. <laughs> it's not on Square Enix <laughs> to cover up plot details from games that have been out for uh, anywhere from five to 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. that's all fair. I think I think I'm somewhere in between. Like, there's a balance for me. There are a couple things in sure. the Final Battle trailer that I felt were, uh, I just and it's never like a, I'm deeply upset by that. Like for the most part, I'm just excited to watch it. But there are certainly a few things that's like would have rather just discovered this area or like arrived here of of pure surprise. Um, yeah. Like for example, the world that never was um, mm-hmm. in Cage Two. Like. That I remember that that shadowy monolith sort of slowly forming at the top of the screen was like a major point of, um, what the heck is happening up here? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I feel like I'm going to see those things coming from further away, which maybe at the end yeah, of the day, it's all by good. The time and I hope we're so. at cage three, we're going to be looking out for things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true enough. But like, I think there's something to be like they said previously that they're going to reveal all the new Disney worlds 
uh, before the game releases. And they've just come out recently and said that they're done with Disney World announcements. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have misinterpreted that. They've said we're not going to reveal any more surprise Disney Worlds. They didn't say hmm. there are no more Disney Worlds in the game. I'm taking their wording hmm. of that quote to be telling, and I think there will be some surprises. Like, I maybe it's that I wasn't as focused on Cage 2 info before it came out, but I don't recall knowing about Timeless River before it happened. And I thought, like, that ended up being yeah. one of my favorite worlds. And mm-hmm. I was surprised by it, and the, the, um, attention to detail with the black and white and with the monotone sound instead of the stereo sound like it was the whole aesthetic of it was really cool and i didn't expect it i didn't see it coming and it was one of the shortest worlds in the game but it was it made such an impact on me and i loved it so much Hmm. and i really hope that there's something like that not like another timeless river world but something that surprises you that you're not expecting that they haven't shown off in trailers or another thing in king hearts 2 uh, I, this is I. Yeah. I can't remember if Lingering Will was in only the final mix or if it was in the regular one. It was just final but, mix. Okay, but at any rate, Japan still had the final mix Kingdom Hearts two before Birth by Sleep was out. Before we knew who Terra was, but Nomura <laughs> knew who Terra was. The key, I suppose the that's key, true. <laughs> that's the first instance of going to Keyblade Graveyard is in the Japanese release of Kingdom Hearts two final mix before Days was out, before Birth by Sleep was out, and so that's your first time that players can have gone to the Keyblade Graveyard. And that's not a thing that was promoted beforehand. Like, that was just, here's yeah. this new boss fight you don't know anything about that's really mysterious, and you're going to learn about in three years when the next when that next game comes out. Yeah, and that's the yeah, kind that's of a great thing example. that I live and breathe for Kingdom Hearts because that's so awesome, I think, to have that tease that you don't know about, but it's going to become important. And now, again, having watched that in cl- Everglow's timeline series, like that battle takes so much more gravitas on because you're familiar with Terra mm-hmm. and the will and the graveyard. So I think, yeah, I really do expect there to be at least one or two areas like that in kingdom hearts three that we don't know anything about yet. Not Scala Ed Kylum, not that final, uh, Venice looking place that Xehanort's in, you know, I'm expecting. Yeah. I was just going to say like, that could have been one of those things, but now like, as you were describing the, the, the impact of the Keeper graveyard, I'm like, huh, man, Skylad Kylum could have been a great example of that, oh, except 100%. now we know about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I agree. I will say, like, there are a few things in the trailers that I would have probably preferred to not see, but at the same time, I don't feel like the experience is going to be ruined for having seen them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in some ways, if anything, you're you're just, like, especially with Skylad Kylum, you're just getting this very brief image of a place that looks just absolutely tease. buck wild yeah and now i want to know okay how do we get there where does it fall in the story it seems like it falls super late in the story but hopefully yeah, that, not because i that feels I'd really more like to not the see... final battle than the final battle trailer insinuate yeah which is super weird given that it's like sunny and bright and all these kinds of mm. things that i don't like not ass... darkness right yeah fair enough well xehanort's all about balance oh, um, sure is I'm just as hopeful. I'm I'm as hopeful as you are that there's a couple surprises that await us. I think like sure. even though we even though we saw pre-release screens of a blonde-haired kid pre-cage 2, oh, yeah. Roxas's opening was very <laughs> much a trippy surprise. So like I'm curious what they do with the opening that's weird and different, like flout mm-hmm. our expectations and give us something other than Olympus Coliseum right away. Do you want to hear my thoughts 
on the opening? Yeah, of course. My my uh, what's the word? Hypothesis. My guess. Because uh, in previous interviews, Nomura has said that the opening area, like the tutorial area, is going to be that world where young Ericus and young Xehanort are playing chess. Mm. And okay, I, didn't I know think that. I'm pretty sure he said that like two, three years ago. Like, because that was one of the first uh, tease trailers was them playing chess. Mm-hmm. And I think that the intro is going to be you playing as young Xehanort. And because it would give you completely different perspective. What playing as the bad guy right off the bat? That's weird. Like you're gonna go back to yeah. Olympus Coliseum and uh, playing as Sora, but like Kingdom Hearts two, you're starting off the game as somebody else, somebody unexpected. And they'd previously said when zero point two was in development that they thought about having that as the intro to the game to give you a feel for the mechanics and stuff mm. while playing as Aqua and taking her through the Dark Realm. But then they decided to cut it sure. off and put it in this collection instead. And so I think they decided then that they want to do this other world for the intro. And I think you're going to do a tutorial as young Xehanort. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, they seem very attached to this idea of an intro as somebody else. And it would make for a very interesting bit of misdirection to have Absolutely. playable Riku appear for a split second in the final battle trailer mm. make that seem like oh what the hell square like why are you showing this to us and have yeah. that you know maybe that's still true and still a thing throughout the game but i i feel like i'm trying to remember numero's exact words but he either said there was two playable characters or he said there is more than one playable character he said there's more than and one so that's super that's super interesting and super mm. perhaps telling um because that's naturally and you know this kind of i i, re- I remember now um a point I was going to bring up earlier, we kind of roundabout connected to it. Um, one thing that has really impressed me about the pre-release cycle for Cage 3 is that in a lot of ways it's resolved It's resolved maybe my unfounded fears that this new entry would not be as detail-oriented or as focused or as, as, as cons- um, cohesively envisioned as other entries in the series. Like when I look back on Cage 1 and Cage 2... They're like that piece of literature, like I described FF10 to be. There's, there are, it, they're so, cl- they're cleverly written. There are clever surprises. They're very intentional. Like you've got the cohesion of the start menus with the art, uh, artistic renderings of Sora on the beach on Destiny Islands. He's progressing in age. You know, he turns away from the camera a little bit, has a different thing in his mouth. All these kinds of things. There's even um, things like the box art as well. Yeah, box art very intentional. There's a lot of um, a lot of uh, renders of Sora from years past have him sort of directly facing the camera with his hands resting on top of the hilt of the kingdom key. Yeah, and we saw that same image appear for Cage Three Sora resting his hands on top of the kingdom key. There, I think they're even overlapping the same way, or maybe not. Maybe they're flipped. Yeah. But either way, it's like that, and we've now seen the same like the third iteration of the beach concept art image, which will probably be the opening menu and probably be the art on the disc and all those things. I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. Like cage three is, it's not just this kind of throwaway product that they've spent too long making. Like you've got, it definitely feels like the successor we're waiting for. Yes. With, with all, with all the things that that means with all the, the sort of pre-release artistic wrappings and that attention to detail is kind of what lends credence to any hope I have for there still being surprises. 
I feel like Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be, for Kingdom Hearts fans, what Final Fantasy fans wanted Final Fantasy 15 to be. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it. I think so as well. That's the way I feel right now, which is I'm probably at my most optimistic. Probably sure. just because I'm ready to play the damn thing. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. But like like I was saying about the box art and continuing themes, it's like Kingdom Hearts 1, all the characters on the front cover are looking in different directions. It's a, it's symbol- Like they've said, it's symbolic of like them not knowing where they're going, what they're doing. It's mm. their first journey. It's all a bit confusing. Uh, Riku's facing opposite direction of Sora. And then the Kingdom Hearts 2 uh, box art. No, 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 sorry. Kingdom Hearts 1, it's uh, Sora, Kairi, Donald, and Goofy are all facing left, and Riku's facing right. Riku's facing apart from all the others because he's like getting involved with the darkness, and he's not following the same path as them. And then it's Kingdom Hearts 2 where they're all li- looking in different directions. Sora, Kairi, Roxas, Donald, Goofy, Mickey, they're all looking at different places. And it's because they're all like doing things for different reasons. They're all going to different worlds at different times, and they're all on different journeys. And then Kingdom Hearts 3, it's all 13 main players of light unified in their direction. They're all looking the same way. That's so and, and That's so crazy. I, I had not put that together or read that before like when when the kingdom hearts 3 box art came out that was a big thing that came out i can't remember if it was like fans making that theory or if uh someone at spring confirmed it but i feel like numerous said a lot of times that everything they do with kingdom hearts is intentional and i mean (laughs) there's a bit of talking out his butt there because there have been a lot of retcons yes true uh, (laughs) but i feel like things like that are very intentional and that blend like that's so comforting like that's it is that's, that's a, a sign that no matter how the series has changed hands who's working on it that wasn't back in the day like that makes me feel more confident about battle systems about um, level yeah. design about placement of treasures or equipment that actually matters or means something like like that's and that's i think the power of a really good pre-release cycle and it's, Even to have the intentionality of Sora with his hands crossed over that keyblade in such a way that yeah, fans sure. can line up his three versions looking exactly like that. Mm. You know, I wonder if that's... I wonder if Square knows just how much that means to us, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like they ha- Nomura at least has to, because he's the one that like designs most of those character arts. Like, the, mm. the key arts are mostly Nomura. Um, yeah, true enough. There's, just touching on that real quick, the, the renders and the art, uh, I remember when... Uh, 2.8 was coming out and the renders for the foretellers and back cover came out Mm -hmm. a lot of people were drawing comparisons because you know how there's also a popular uh render of sora for in kh1 where he's uh got the keyblade hoisted up on his shoulder and then there's another one like he's smiling big and he's got his uh, keyblade up on his shoulder and he's got that like that in kingdom hearts 2 as well it's like the same pose but in taller and grown up and stuff and that's like exactly the same pose as Gula's render for back cover. Mm. And then there's sure that uh, makes sense. And people are drawing comparisons from the foretellers to other characters in the series. Like there's uh, I'm trying to remember all the foretellers' names. There's Gula and I said he's the one I'm trying to think of. I uh, said's render pose was the same as Terra's main render pose, and like they oh, both have the big hulking like they're big powerhouses. And so yeah. people are trying to think, like, these foretellers are representing these characters. And I thought that was really interesting. And I'm like, 
that was around the time that Nomura's quote about things being intentional came out. And I'm like, he knows <laughs> what he's doing. I'm really excited to see what this, where this goes. <laughs> and he wouldn't oh. put that cover on a compilation if that stuff wasn't going to be important Kingdom Hearts 3. Like he said before, final chapter prologue is final chapter prologue because all those things lead directly into Kingdom Hearts 3. So that's yeah. going to come into it, I feel, more than just the black box. So. And more than, yeah, right, more than we assume, right? Because I think most people are kind of assuming, oh, yeah. that's, that's the And I think, like, when box. you think about the Kingdom Hearts 3 hype schedule, like, it's not just trailers, it's not just renders and songs and voice actor announcements. It's, like, I think this is unconventional because, like, any finale to a series is exciting and nerve-wracking because you want to make sure they do it right and mm. you're excited to experience it, whether it's a movie or a book or a video game or whatever. But, like, this is wholly unique to me because there have been the games releasing for the last 15 years and they've known since 2013 that we've known since 2013 that kingdom hearts 3 is officially on its way and since then we've got the kingdom hearts 1 compilation or the 1.5 compilation the 2.5 compilation the 2.8 compilation and all of those have been leading up to kingdom hearts 3 so in a way all of the compilations have been part of the kingdom hearts 3 hype train and the marketing <laughs> because it's that's all a really interesting leading perspective on the broader picture this. yeah yeah like people that's... who play just one and two are not going to be as caught up or as invested i think they're they're going to think they are but they're not and like playing all those side games or experiencing them in some way is pretty important to appreciating and understanding kingdom hearts 3 i think the side, I mean, when we talk about the side games, that's kind of like where my, I mean, I'm not unique in saying this, but where my frustrations have arisen oh, from. Oh, for like sure. When, when you have like a, the, the present day case in which Nomura seems and is very thoughtful about the series progression, how important this new entry is to the canon, like all the things we just talked about, the artwork, cover art, uh, character poses and all that stuff. It's just really interesting to kind of stand that in stark contrast with how things seemed during the coded, um, eh, birth by sleep maybe a little less so, but like the coded, the dream drop distance days um, sure, around the time that the mobile game first came out where it's just like, what even is this series anymore? Because yeah. that, that's, that, that was and the with them all coming out of, on different oh, there's no vision here. Right, things. exactly. Yeah, it was um, very frustrating. So, yeah, it's, it's, it kind of, you know whatever hindsight 2020 like i had definitely lost faith in nomura as a cohesive coherent director and like of creator. course his involvement varied yeah creator and like he was working on other things at the time all this kind of stuff is true and maybe the spin-offs and where the story has gone has in some ways been a lifeline while he was working on other stuff sure but like it's 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 really cool to to have this return to form to be just i agree pure excitement for something new and not sort of hesitant or measured excitement for a spinoff and it's one of those things again what i think makes it unique is there was that whole roller coaster period of like five years where they were coming out with all these games on different systems with different characters who weren't sora or, or riku and like you just weren't sure how much you wanted to care about them but it was mm -hmm. kingdom hearts yeah. so you thought okay but um but like also i feel like as rough a patch as that was that was necessary to get Kingdom Hearts 3 to be what it's going to be because they've taken what they've learned from all those games had different gameplay. All those games had different uh, ways of going about it. 
and they've mm-hmm. learned what people like and what people don't like. And like Shotlock, you know, Shotlock's a really cool ability from Birth by Sleep that they're implementing with Kingdom Hearts 3. You know, Sora can do Shotlocks now. Mm-hmm. And things in 0.2, like the reaction commands or whatever they are for uh, you use a fire spell enough and you can use a power, more powerful fire spell with Aqua. And now they're doing that with Sora. And like they're, they've got, they've tried all these things and they've been a bit up and down. Some some games are really good with bad gameplay. Some games are really bad with good gameplay. Recoded <laughs> is not a good <laughs> game, but the gameplay is on point. Yeah, because that was an evolution. That was a direct evolution. That gameplay of both Days and Birth by Sleep, and so the gameplay was great, but the game itself is charitable. But all of those games before it, and to me, that makes me think it's hopefully going to be the best of all of them. Well, I think in terms of narrative and characters too, that's true. Like Kingdom Hearts sure. Three doesn't doesn't feel the way it feels like this like this epic assemblage of very scattered pieces. Like it's funny to think that that element of the opening where Young Xehanort plays his chess pieces in a mm. way that makes make even though this isn't technically true, but makes it seem like all the tragedies of the series have been purposely orchestrated in a specific yeah, order by for him. Sure. Like that's that's about forty percent true, but like it still evokes like that. That fits so neatly with this restoration of confidence that the hardcore fan base has now with how it has, oh my goodness, it has actually come together somehow. And it's all the more epic for the tragedies that have affected three generations of heroes. And now they all get their chance at redemption. We, the fans, get our chance at, at redemption or at reclaiming our love for the series in a way. I think that's a really nice way of putting it. I, I, the only other piece of media I've been able to compare it to, and I've said this in previous episodes too, but like, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is that it's yeah, totally great analog in, in its build up, and it's got the Infinity War, uh, and Endgame finale that it's building to for ten years, mm. and sometimes in subtle ways and sometimes more overt, obvious ways, but the whole thing, has, and like you can enjoy them separately by themselves, but they're going to be a lot better having watched all the previous movies and getting to know all those characters and getting their backstories and getting their stories out. And mm-hmm. it's the only other piece of media that I can think of that is relatable in that way. And I think that's why that's my favorite movie series. Like this is my favorite game series because having that slow burn that there's always something to look forward to. There's always something else coming soon. And I love that. Maybe call me a sucker, you know. I don't know. They're, they're always gonna have my movie ticket. They're always gonna have my game money, whatever, you know. But they're they're good for marketing. They're good for character development. You don't feel like you have to get it all done, one and done, in a single two-hour movie for the MCU or in a single game experience. There's sure. more opportunity for fleshing things out, whether it's characters or worlds or set pieces. And it just yeah, having the freedom to do that across across multiple entries is good. I think, like to be honest, the Marvel Cinematic Unit. Like I thought about the way you know people, the uninitiated's common complaint with Kingdom Hearts about it being Mm. this um, labyrinthine, uh, hopelessly complex story. And I'm thinking from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm like, I like Kingdom Hearts might be more metaphysically complex on a moment to moment Mm. basis, but like it's certainly shorter than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's less facts of the case to keep in mind across multiple games there are fewer sure. characters to keep track of so like i don't know i i always get kind of 
as many Kingdom Hearts fans do, I get frustrated Defensive. by the assertion <laughs> that it's that it's you know somehow like inaccessible. Um, I'm like sure. it's it's no different than a five season anime, you know. Yeah, no, I agree for sure. So, in general, having said all of what we've said, uh, what do you think gets you the most hyped, and what do you think doesn't? So for Kingdom Hearts or for other things? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think, to be honest, it's discussion that tends to get me the most hyped for something. Like, like I don't know that spite. Like, I don't know that the Spider-Verse would have been on my radar as much as it ended up being if not for people on social media pointing out how cool this trailer was or how, how hey, look at the writing talent here, look at the animation mm-hmm. talent that's working on it. Um, here are all these ways in which it's thoughtful, even before it came out. So like, That's fair, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, like hearing, hearing fans talk about why they love something or why it's important or meaningful or worth my time is, is a huge play into that. And... Like, that's kind of that's kind of the in for me. Like, that's the entry point. Certainly, a really great trailer will do the trick. It's it's rarely it's rarely like it's rarely like one-off things like voice actor interviews or just seeing box art kind of displayed. It tends to it tends sure. to start with a really great piece of pre-release media that and that gets I, people I love and buzzing. Yep, I love when that's gameplay focused. Like, I think the KH3 trailers have done a great job of like like very musically timed battle segments even for just a few seconds you get like Sora's underwater Blizzica and you get sure um, you know some of the Baymax action um, yeah I, like it's it's funny the, the uh, mentioning voice actors makes me think about how I've tried like I would love I, I actually really love it when voice actors talk about their upcoming project and are excited for it like it's it's been cool to see Paul St. Peter for example comments mm-hmm. um, voice of Zemnis yep on the upcoming game, I've been very disappointed that David Gallagher has not come out of whatever hermit hole he's living in to comment on the game. Um, <laughs> and I've also been a little disappointed that despite Haley Joel Osment's ostensible love for the series, he also has not been talking about, he's been talking about like his show on Hulu, Future Man. Um, sure. So like, I don't know, I mean, that, that's not super meaningful to me, but I really feel like we, we sort of break down the walls between fan and creator when we... Yeah, when I'm voice actors and those involved talk openly about it. Quentin Flynn, um, as far as like not... anytime there's a trailer that involves Lee, oh yeah, Russell, he's he's always yeah. all over. He's all like, "Oh guys, you're gonna be excited about this trailer." Make sure <laughs> yeah, his Quentin's... fans know, which is awesome. Allison Stoner too, which um, yeah. mm-hmm. is, you know, Kyrie and the Shion. yeah the chain the change the from Hayden, right? The change from Hayden Penetire is what it is, but at least Allison's excited. Like that's. That, yeah, that definitely. Means she's enthusiastic. You know? She's passionate, and I feel like uh, she's had time to hone it. Like a lot of people had problems with Sora's voice in zero point two. They thought mm-hmm. it was a bit too trying too hard, maybe. And I think Haley Jossman probably took that feedback on board and tweaked it to make it better for Kingdom Hearts. 3 yeah, we're now in Cage Three. He's almost indistinguishable in from two. 2. And I yep. have to imagine mm-hmm. because people also had complaints about Allison Stoner doing Kyrie in zero point two, but the little bit that we've heard of her in the cage three trailers i think sounds wonderful so mm, yeah yeah it does it's 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 at least um it's at least not distracting which is more than you yeah. could say about 0.2 yeah well, um, 0.2 is so impressive and disappointing for so many reasons <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, you were saying just... earlier about the early kingdom hearts 3 trailers that looked all plasticky and waxy like oh, I can't play zero yeah. point two without getting frustrated at Terra and Ventus. Terra's just, real bad. <laughs> Terra, Terra's the worst. He looks and uh, Mi- Yen Sid as well. 
I'll, I'll give Mickey's him pretty slack. awful too, though. Yeah, I'll give him some slack on the Disney characters because, like, the original characters, I think they can work with a bit easier because they were made for 3D. They were made for that kind of animation. But Disney characters trying to get cartoons, like classic animated cartoons, to be rendered in such high-quality three dimensions, I think takes a lot more work and polishing. And so I, I'm willing to give them some slack for not having that. And it looks a lot better in the Kingdom Hearts 3 trailers. Yes, it does. Yeah, so I, saw, them, I saw. They're not mi- as distractingly bad to me as Tara. Oh, God, That's, I hate it. <laughs> Tara's real bad, dude. He's real, He's real bad. bad. Like, he looks like an off-brand toy. I mean, Mick. Oh, speaking of that, that that's a whole other podcast. Just the, <laughs> dis, the, the dismal state of Kingdom Hearts merch right now, where uh, I'm like, how in the world does half of this exist, and is there no I'm, quality control for it? I tell you what, I I'm uh, hate to admit that I'm uh, well into the Kingdom Hearts Funko craze. I've At least like, those are consistent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've true. I've seen um, I've seen a Mickey in Target that was scary. Oh just, yeah, no, there's abject terror. <laughs> it's like Mickey and Axel, or Mickey and a Heartless, or something that are paired together. Yes, exactly. And they look yeah. Really bad. Yeah, they all. It's just they're awful meant to be the, the scale, board. but they look really weird, and their faces are messed up. <laughs> like you I would said, say, a discussion um, for another day. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, kind of the second part of your question. Um, the things I don't like or don't yes. get me hyped. Um, trailers without sound effects for a start. <laughs> Oh man, I have a comment on that, but I'll let you finish. <laughs> I would say, um, yeah, that's kind. Of, I mean, that's it's true, but also kind of joking. I think like some of the things I mentioned before, the things that dragged down FF15 from me, or just made it seem like something other than a piece of momentous kind of artistic literature. And sure. I think all the DLC announcements, pre pre release, oh, Keyblade yeah, announcements, they. They, they're fine to exist. Like, I truly don't mind that they exist in all those places. Like, I'm very used to that. But to, yeah, but to prop up... order bonuses for different consoles and stuff. Yeah, and, like, that's... Like, like I've sh- I shrugged that off five years ago, you know? But what yeah. bothers me is when those tr- when they make those announcements in trailer form and try to stand those up next to kind of the, the main canon yeah, trailers, the ones that are sure. epic and medium will live forever. Like, somebody's going to Google Kingdom Hearts trailer 10 years from now and probably stumble across... Like the the Seven Eleven DLC yeah. that were brought over here, and it's it like was, that's really uh, unfortunate. That to me. nonsense. Yeah, for sure. What about you? Me, I always I always think for that top for that point. I always think about Borderlands too. Like I I got into Borderlands one pretty late, but uh, early enough to be excited for Borderlands two before it came out, and mm. I was so frustrated by the fact that they were hyping up the season pass for Borderlands two before Borderlands one was out. And that's become more common, too. Like, before a game comes out, they'd be like, pre-order the season pass. That's coming next year. Like, I don't want to I don't want to know that there's content not in the game that's going to be coming later. Like, 100%. you could go back 20 years and say, okay, well, they had the base game, and then next year they came out with an expansion pack. And season passes now are basically expansion packs to games. And I can appreciate that. But, mm-hmm. like... Final Fantasy 15 is probably the most frustrating point because at least Borderlands 2, all of the DLC packs are like new standalone quests and areas to explore. Whereas uh, Final Fantasy 15, you can pinpoint the moment in the game where those were pulled out, or not necessarily where they were pulled out, but like when Gladiolus disappears from your team for no reason. And yeah. And uh, when he gets back to your party, he doesn't tell you anything about what he was doing, but you're like his best friends. And you're part of his guard, and you're supposed to trust each other, 
you know, implicitly. And uh, it just like I, that, I, that feels so out of character. It feels forced. It feels gross. I don't like it. That's probably yeah, and the thing about Final Fantasy fifteen is that its its writing was so illogical at times that it was hard yeah. to discern and where so, it's just a flaw of the story and where like there's just missing content. For example, sure. oh, you the crown prince of um, insomnia in a world with cell phones and modern technology found out about the burning of your five miles yeah. away city in a newspaper the next morning. Yeah, it. Yep. Yeah. So. Final Fantasy 15 problems. Pretty bad. Uh, pretty bad. Uh, what's the word? I don't know. They they've done it, and I didn't like how they did it. Uh, so like <laughs> Very true. having having those little trailers with the keyblades for the different consoles that doesn't bother me at all because like we know that those are happening. It's like you said, they're pre-order bonuses for different retailers or consoles and whatever. That's fine. To me, that doesn't change the gameplay. It doesn't affect how I'm going to enjoy the game. And I don't feel like I'm missing out for not having a different skin of this keyblade that powers up a magic spell. Um, whereas if they left out like ultimate keyblade, if that was like or, or the ultimate weapon, if that was DLC they had to pay for, I'd be pretty frustrated by that. Uh, just because that's been a constant mainstay thing in past Kingdom Hearts games. But I think going back to what you said about uh, the trailers without the sound effects. I legitimately did not even register that those all those trailers don't have sound effects for parts until someone pointed out and was like, this is so distracting and weird and I hate it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'd go back and watch the trailer. And I'm like, oh, huh, how about that? But even after having it pointed out, it didn't bother me. I felt like hmm. the flow of the trailers and the editing of the trailers was so tight and fine and good that like it didn't even matter to me that there wasn't. Uh, sound effects because I wasn't paying attention to the sound effects. I was paying attention to what was happening and I didn't have a problem with it at all, but it's definitely, definitely been divisive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I guess I was like one of those people, people who sort bugs. Of... It bugs a lot. Yeah, that's me. That's totally me. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't affect me at all, <laughs> but I think probably my least favorite thing for marketing and hype is when, a game is announced too early and that's like the worst thing about being a square enix fan <laughs> like yeah bethesda announced fallout 4 at e3 one year and it was out that november people knew they were working out they'd covered up like leaks before but they never made an official announcement about it until they were ready the game was basically done and they were ready to start promoting it and they promoted the hell out of it for five months six months until it came out and that is awesome to me like don't get me wrong i'm happy to have had like the Kingdom Hearts Orchestra leading up to it and the different trailers over the years seeing the progress. And that's something that I think 10 years from now will be really cool to look at is see how the quality of the game has grown over the different trailers. Yeah, and I for think sure. that's an, a, another important part of video game history is seeing that production development. And, but at the same time, I don't necessarily want to see a trailer for a game I want to play now for five years. Yeah. Final Fantasy yeah, VII Remake is... Uh, they did it with Final Fantasy Versus 13. They did it with Kingdom Hearts 3. They did it, did it with Final Fantasy 7 Remake. They'll do it again, I'm sure. And it's just think... these games that you wait for and you wait for and you wait for. And by the time they actually come out, it's near impossible to live up to the hype and the expectations. Yeah. And, like, it might be different for something like Final Fantasy 7 Remake because that's a remake that people are already going to have unrealistically high expectations for no matter what they do. But, um, I don't know, for a new game, 
it's it's just frustrating to have to know that it's there. Like I'd rather ignorance is bliss, I suppose. You know, if you don't know it's happening or if they haven't confirmed that it's happening, at least you're not waiting for it, you know? You can be hoping for it and wishing for it. Like I wish that Pokemon Snap 2 would come out. But nobody <laughs> said that they're making Pokemon Snap 2, so it's just a dream I have that I can enjoy dreaming about. Right. <laughs> whereas yeah. you know, Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, I fully accept and appreciate that they've only delayed the game once, whereas people think that they've delayed it a lot of times. But... Uh, the fact that we've been waiting for it since its initial reveal in 2013, which is five and a half years ago, is frustrating. I, I think I think that all the talk about Square Enix as a slow developer over the last decade has it seems to have made them a little self conscious. Like like yeah. I feel like those announcements have come from a place of like oh if we don't if we don't tell people that we're actually doing work over here and, and reassure them in some fashion like. Maybe it it, it 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 reeks to me like this that kind of earliness reeks to me of a company that's um, insecurity compensating. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. They they're a little scared or a little they're a little compensating. They're a little bit like mm. no, no. We promise, we promise. It's here. Um, it's unfortunate that that maybe they felt that way or that that it gets to that point. But I sure. think that. I mean, I mean to it's, be real, like these are problems that Square has has demonstrated in full force over the last decade. Like, yeah, they, and it's like are... when you look at each of those three examples I listed: Final Fantasy fifteen, Final Fantasy seven remake, and Kingdom Hearts three. All three situations are wildly different, and they're mm-hmm. not. There, there's a lot going on at all of them that you know. It's not just like oh, it's a Square Enix problem. It's like they've all had their own development things that they've gone through, and that they had to deal with at those times. And they've been like that for different reasons. But like Nomura straight up said after the 2013 reveal, like it may have been a little early to announce this. Maybe we should have waited, (laughs) but I know people are excited for it. And I just wanted to tell them that it's on the way. And so like he admitted there pretty much immediately that they probably shouldn't have done it when they did. So like, I'll give him a bit of slack for that. He knew that it was too early, but they just, and that's like Final Fantasy seven remake after the, 2006 i think tech demo for the ps3 when they remade the intro to final fantasy 7 fans were like when are you remaking this and fans would not shut up about it until they revealed the final fantasy 7 remake trailer in 2015 and then it was was like 2015 okay that makes sense yeah yep i'm pretty sure it's 2015 and then they were like okay we know people have been asking for this for nearly a decade so we just want letting you know it's happening all we're going to show you is stuff from the first three hours of the game because that's all we've worked on so far and that's all we're working on currently but it is going to happen mm-hmm. and so it's again this they're trying to react to fan demand without being at a place where they should reasonably announce it because then you know final fantasy 7 was announced and then they announced the next year that they had a falling out with CyberConnect 2 and they were parting ways and starting in-house development. So they had to start from scratch. And because they were starting from scratch, they didn't have anything done. And so they couldn't show anything. And then Final, or Kingdom Hearts 3 promotion ramped up. And they want to focus on that big game. And they've said openly in trailers before, like, we're going to wait to show more on Final Fantasy VII Remake until Kingdom Hearts 3 is out. Because you know, they're both flagship titles. And so it makes sense that they haven't shown anything in the last year because of that. Mm. It's just now we're at a point where it's been three years since we've seen any footage of Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
Yeah. And it's I mean, just maybe it's like, not it some... feels like vaporware, but they insist that it's progressing smoothly in interviews. That's all they ever say is it's progressing smoothly. We're on track. And that's great to hear, but it'll be better to hear when we see more. But we wouldn't yeah. have to be waiting impatiently if they just didn't announce it in the first place. Then we wouldn't know about consumers and you know fans would not know about the dramas with CyberConnect 2. We wouldn't have had two trailers under our belt in the span of six months expecting more. Mm-hmm. And if they just held their cards a bit closer to their chest for a couple more years, then they'd be in a lot better position, both PR-wise and in good graces with their fans. Like, sure, they'd have to still be dealing with people's like, where's our Final Fantasy VII remake? But at least they <laughs> wouldn't have as much expectation because they'd shown something off. Yeah, so, I think that's fair. It may be less of a, of a development problem, although development problems seem reoccurring even under different contexts, but more of a... sure more of a patience problem, more of a maybe don't cede to your incredibly passionate fans earlier than you feel like you need to. I mean, it's very telling that Nomura copped to being a little little quick to jump the gun like so soon after that in a way that Japanese developers often don't talk so honestly. Right, yep. So are there any final thoughts about that, about hype of movies, of games, of Kingdom Hearts 3, or things you want to say? Yeah, I think I would just say that um, that journey to release is different for everyone. One of the coolest things about leading up to Kingdom Hearts 3 here is living that hype through so many different lenses, like through the incredibly passionate art community on Twitter, through um, through my buddy who's who finally succumbed to the, the kind of gaming pressures and play, is playing through the entire series in about two months um, and like fielding That's his incredible. questions... Yeah, living through his discovering of Vanitas for the first time, his opinions of <laughs> Axel, his opinions of Birth by That's Sleep's cool. narrative structure, all that kind of stuff. So, like, I feel that one of the coolest parts about the last several months and what we're leading into now and here in January is this is sort of like. I live in Minnesota and we often joke about like in the winter time or rather in the springtime, you see Minnesotans kind of emerge from their houses all pale and like rediscovering each other for the first time. Um, I get that a little bit now with the kingdom hearts community. Like I feel like we're all kind of emerging from the sort of morass of the last several years. Yeah. The, yeah, the hibernation where we all just kind of like took the spinoffs for what they were and sort of stewed on our opinions of them. And we're emerging to experience this mainline a conclusion with each other and we're like sharing our experiences we're sharing what the series has meant to us we're sharing what what the hell we've been up to for the last few years as fans and and with our thoughts the characters we care about and like that's that's been really really cool and interesting i'm excited to have be that in person with people when i go out to the midnight release and then just knowing wow people are doing this at thousands and thousands of stores at this exact same time yeah man that's something special i like that yeah so, with that, uh, thank you, thank you so much for joining me. It's uh, really awesome. I think this is such a good conversation. Like, yeah, uh, absolutely. Talk thank about you. a lot of things I've been wanting to talk about, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, where can listeners find you online? I'd say that Twitter is the best place. I'm at Better Call Prawl, P R A H L, on Twitter. Um, which I've you'll get a since lot. I learned what your uh, handle was. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get a lot of gaming from me you'll get a lot of uh, some pop culture from me some stuff from at home like corgi photos or hey look what my wife and i are doing on this weekend that kind of <laughs> stuff but yeah um that's where people can find me and i'll be tweeting about you know it's weird i don't know that i'll be tweeting about kingdom hearts 3 
a lot to start with. In fact, sure. I might kind of remove myself from the conversation for a couple weeks to sort of maintain that that distance and purity. Like I really yep, don't want to be sense. reading a ton of other people's opinions at the same time. But when it's, I emerge, it's like when uh, Avengers: Infinity War came out and like people were being diligent about not talking about the snap. Like there was the meme, the snap meme that went around for a little while. But like aside from that, people were actually being pretty good about not talking spoilers for the first month or so, and it was very cool to see a community come together like that. And I feel like that's going to be most of the King hearts community too. I think so too. I have, I have, I have faith in everyone. <laughs> Even still I'm, I'm planning on going on a blackout from Twitter between the 25th and 29th when the game comes out in Japan to us. Or yeah. To Worldwide. Yeah. And then that's also I'm going to be very sparing with my online activities until I've beat the game. Same and, here. I'll probably, I'll probably do a pretty thorough muting, um, for at least a few weeks, which is going to be super weird. Like I'm in my own little hype bubble. And then I go on Twitter and like, why is nobody talking about this game? Cause I'm going to forget that I muted it as I yeah, always for do. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm not going to mute. Cause I always forget about muting and stuff too, but I'm just going to be sparing and careful. But mm. uh, as, that leads into a good point about the show. Uh, the next episode that comes out is going to be on January 30th, which is of course the day after kingdom hearts three releases. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, a bit of a discussion on time management and trying to uh, find time to play with busy adult schedules. I'm <laughs> going to be talking to my wife, which I'm really excited for because she's a very, very apathetic Kingdom Hearts. Like she doesn't care about Kingdom Hearts at all. When I first started dating her, she called it Rainbows and Unicorns and she didn't understand the appeal and she still doesn't really understand the appeal, but she knows I love it. So <laughs> that'll be a fun discussion, I think. Uh, so that's going to be immediately following the release. And then... The next episode after that is February 13th, so two weeks after release, and that I want to be a bit of a spoiler-free discussion with who I'm not sure who yet. I don't have a guest lined up, but uh, that one I think will be spoiler-free and just talking about if we haven't beat it yet, what our impressions are, if we have beat it, again, what our impressions are, but without spoilers. And then the following episode after that, February 27th, will be a spoiler-heavy episode, so that'll be a month after, and obviously it's a podcast, all you have to do is not listen to not be spoiled but um i just want to give people a heads up i usually don't do like a here's what i'm gonna do for the next few episodes but that's what i'm planning is a fairly standard episode next and then a spoiler free discussion of kingdom hearts 3 and then a spoiler filled discussion of kingdom hearts 3 so that's what you can look forward to soon so uh, with that, this has been episode 17 of Kingdom Hearts and Other Stuff. You can find the show on Twitter at ChaosCast. That's Chaos with a K. And you can find me specifically as well at Zachary P. Lyons. That's L-Y-O-N-S. Chaos is a part of the Nerd Pals Network, which you can find at nerdpals.network and by searching for Super Nerd Pals on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, where you can also find our other shows, Super Nerd Pals and Left for Dread. And also, remember to check out our third episode of Dragon Ball Revolution to hear my thoughts on the movie Dragon Ball Evolution, since it was, shockingly, <laughs> my first time ever seeing it. Uh, and for the last time before losing my life to Kingdom Hearts 3, thank you all for listening to Kingdom Hearts and other stuff. May your heart be your guiding key.